episode 470. Welcome everyone, another episode of Aussie Tech Heads, and it is the 14th of January 2016. We've got a, a heap of stories to get through tonight, so let's see how we go with all that. It's uh, oh, we got it. We got a uh, person back from the wilderness, but we'll get to him in just a second. I bet you can't guess who it is. You may go, Will? Is it Will? Is it Jace? Is it Will? Is it Will? I don't know. And we'll get to there. Get there in a second. But uh, we are brought to you by athwebhosting.com.au, and if you need some web hostings, uh, affordable prices, easy to work, C panels, WordPress. You know, three click installs of WordPress. Can't get any easier than that. About three clicks. That's it's all good. Athwebhosting.com.au. All right, let's uh, let's see who it is has come back after his holidays. Well, he just informed me that he wasn't on the holidays, but uh, I said you always seem to be. And it is, of course, Jace. How you doing, Jace? Hey, how's it going? Uh, but 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 can I get Drew Powell? That's the really important thing. Drew Powell is available across m- multiple servers of Ath Excellent. Web Hosting. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> You like the shirt? It is good. Uh, I defeated the Daleks, and all I got was this lousy T-shirt. Very good. (laughs) Very good. Uh, What a great series of uh, Doctor Who it was, too, Series 9. You enjoyed it? Oh, yeah, 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 especially the um, end of it when he was trapped in the dial thing. That was great. Yes. Christmas. Yeah, was that one of your favourites? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Mine was probably a toss-up between the uh, maybe the first one, that very first story. Yeah, it was great. I couldn't get past that when that little kid said his name was Davros. So she was down my spine and uh, I was just, all my childhood memories and excitement just went, pushka. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's see who else we got. Uh, Shane. Hey, Shane. How you doing? Hey, good, good, good. I have a question about Doctor Who because I'm not a fan. Yeah. What? Uh, you, just, you just said it was Sorry, series... we can't talk to you now. Yeah. Can you just disconnect nah. his internet connection we'll and get him off Skype? <laughs> I could be converted. I could be converted, depending on how that's this answer goes. That's more than Eric anyway, so that's something. <laughs> <laughs> you just said it was Series 9. Yeah. Hasn't Doctor Who been going for like 50 or 60 years? Well, yeah. yes, it series has. Series 9 of the reboot. Yes, that's right. So what happens <laughs> is that it's like Series 9 of the 2005, or yeah, of the reboot, so to speak. Yes. Okay, so what was before that? Well, it was a classic series, so I suppose, from 1963 to, oh, I don't know, 2004. Yeah. <laughs> but 80, yeah, I know, you said 89. Around the 80s, they, yeah. they stopped in the 80s with Doctor Who number eight, and then um, it went off the air for ages, and then Russell T Davies wanted to bring it back, so he wrote a few shows and got approval from BBC, and then they just restarted it as one, and they call it the, the new ones. Yeah, so it's yeah, so it's but yeah, it's season nine. That's it. That's okay. What, that's how the cool cats call it. Yep, that's, that's what we do. You know, that's us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so no, Will again. <laughs> We've lost our will to live again. I know. I texted him or Facebooked him today, and he was. Uh, Oh, the shows at around the baby's bedtime. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, the, the big baby or the little one. Yeah, well, it was a bit of a bit of a change from, yeah, don't worry. You know, the kid will be asleep by the time I'm doing the podcast. I'll be right. I'm there every week. Don't worry. I haven't seen him since I was born. <laughs> so, exactly, yeah. yeah, good on him. And uh, Eric is, I don't know, on holidays. So, um, hello, He's the one Eric. on holidays. See, that's what got you. Yes, that must have been what it was. <laughs> must have been. Now, I work from home now for an anti-spam company called Cloudmark. So, um, I... I um, got the job after four interviews and a lot of uh, weeks of waiting and then um, they flew me up to Central Coast to train with a friend of mine who's been working with them for about three years 
and then um, flew me back down to Melbourne again. I, I just had to wait a couple of days and they sent me a MacBook Pro was the one I picked. It could have been like a Dell with Windows, but I picked a MacBook Pro because I like to get the good quality. Yeah. And um, I just work from home, VPN into work, and we fight the spammers. How good is that? So how do you fight? Like, Do you trace where they're coming from or do you just sort of filter yeah, them? We, we trace where, uh, based on the emails, you know, we filter out domains. Well, we, we remediate them, so we give them a um, what they call a um, – Ah, oh, there's a pro, there's a promotion or a demotion of the um, IP or domain name usually, right. but we can also filter based on the content, which a lot of people don't do. So uh, we can filter on uh, text in the emails, types of images, that sort of thing. So every little thing they try and get around our system, you know, adding in HTTP colon slash 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 slash. Right. Right website.com and things like that we have to fight so, against. So who are you fighting like against for? Is it just a set of your customers or is it the, the, the wider internet? Most of the major ISPs around the world. Right, okay. Nice. Nice work. So next yeah. time I get a bit of spam, yeah. oh, I can say Jace is not doing his job properly. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> Unless and it's on the Google one. <laughs> yeah, and I'll send it to you and go, Jace, you missed one. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I can, I can uh, analyse it through our system and then... Um, we can add anything in like that. Right. Before I started there, my friend who um, recommended me for the job, um, I'd mentioned on Facebook, oh, I just got this spam that got through Google's filters into my inbox. And he's like, quick, what was it? Where was it? Who, what, when? Tell me everything. Send me a copy of it. Yeah. So I send it through to him and he can run it through the system and analyze it and see if there's anything that we need. he needs to add into that system. Nice. To be able to uh, block it as well. So nice. So is this a, a private company, or is it part of the government in some way? Um, no, no, private company, and it's based in the UK and San Francisco. So in um, March, my boss, who works in the UK, is going to fly over to San Francisco to, you know, keep in touch with the guys over there. So he's going to fly me up for a week to um, meet the guys there, and so you get a week uh, in San Fran. In March. How awesome is that? Great. Great. Oh, where do you get jobs like this? Eh? No, they, but um, you have to have good internet because somebody's got a static image. They like that pose of you, but it hasn't changed for the last 10 minutes. Well, I don't know what's going on. You guys are all right. And uh, oh, I don't know. I got know. MBN, mate. It, it, it must be the cable. Yeah, well, you got MBN. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> oh, thank you. All right. <laughs> Something's just happened. I, I've, Push the window. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I don't know what goes on in this computer world. <laughs> All right. Call the technician. Tech support. I <laughs> know. Oh, let's get a uh, let's get a story out for goodness sake. Now we've all heard about the uh, Dick Smith, who's uh, yeah, mm-hmm. who's yeah, creditors are in. It's, uh, it's you know no good. But I then hope you haven't got a gift card, dude. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. How crazy is that? But anyway, the yeah, so gift cards useless, but. Uh, but a bit more on gift cards in a second. But the future of Dick Smith, Apple, the future of Dick Smith's owned Apple reseller Mac One, is up in the air now. I wasn't aware of this, and I don't suppose so many people were. I don't know. You guys might have been, but you know when you walk into a Dick Smith store and yep. you find uh, you see the Apple section, yep. well, apparently that's owned by someone else. But oh. uh, well, it's owned. It's owned by Dick Smith now, but it was, but it's still, called, it's still a separate entity called Mac One which was owned by someone else. 
So how crazy is all that getting? But um, look, I've got a little picture here for people that are on the uh, video. There you go. Now, Mac 1 is up there. So the, the sale, the, everything's up in the air. So they, what they're saying is that it would probably be more beneficial to creditors if the Mac 1 was sold separately, you know, rather, and rather than as a bundle with, uh, with Dick Smith. So apparently Dick Smith acquired this Mac 1 18 months ago, uh, placed it, uh, but was placed under administration last week along with the other subsidiaries of Dick Smith. So apparently with, with the way that it works, is from what I can gather, is that one goes in the receivership, it's a bit of one in, all in. So it's yeah. uh, so what they're saying is the Mac 1 is quite profitable. Well, it's, it's the, or it is the only profitable one, say, out of, the, out of the other subsidiaries. So they're saying, well, let's sell that off as a profitable company and then, you know, just let the creditors feed off the rest of it. Because yeah. otherwise, if it all goes into receivership, then the creditors can feed off the successful one as well. But that could be a bit of a, you know, like that, that'd be probably a good question for Eric, but it might have been a bit of a, you know, is that the right thing to do for the creditors? You know, keep out the, the profitable ones so there's, there's less money in the, in the kitty to go around? I don't know. But anyway. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, so uh, what's it, what, what, how else does this say? Not much else here. Dick Smith revealed its store-in-store strategy to open the dedicated Mac 1 kiosks to service Apple products within existing Dick Smith stores. Mac One's website currently lists 13 service desks in Australia. So Aubrey, Armadale, Campbelldown. Oh, so they're not everywhere. Okay. But, um, yeah, the actual service desks aren't everywhere. Uh, so it was founded in 1990. Mac One provided Apple servicing as well as running an education technology business with account executive in Queensland, New South Australian Capital Territory, Victoria and Tasmania. Huh, there you go. Yeah, a lot of people have been saying that, you know, Dick Smith did really well when it had components and bits and pieces to fear to buy, but once they just turned into another hardly normal or JB, it, people just, well, I can go to lots of different places to get TVs and hmm. washing machines, vacuum cleaners and all that sort of stuff. A lot of the geeky guys were like, well, we love to go in there, but since you guys stopped, J-Car came in and took over. That's right. And um, you've got nothing left to differentiate yourself from everybody else. I mean, when they had the components and the Dick Smith kits and things like that, everybody loved it. And the geeks would go in there and they'd make all their money and then they're like, oh, it's profitable from big TVs. Let's brand our own. You know, they get the generic Chinese ones, rebrand them, same as Kogan everyone does, and then go, Let's sell a Dick Smith television. Yeah. People are like, I don't want a Dick Smith. I want a Samsung. That's right. I want a Sony. Yes. Who the heck wants a Dick Smith one? I might as well go to Aldi and get an Onyx. Yeah, uh, Metri- Metricon or whatever they are. Median. Yeah, uh, median. But yeah, like you're right because I remember like when I was when I was growing up, it was Tandy and Dick Smith, and like Tandy was what Dick Smith is now. You know, like it had all its own crappy little, you know, cassette players and crappy opus cassette tapes, you know, and all this sort of rubbish. And then you walk down the road to Dick Smith, who had, yeah, it's the J car. So things have certainly changed around. But uh, for people with a a gift card, there could be a little bit of hope, actually. And now, for whatever reason, I'll find my mouse here. Maybe that mouse disappears like that. But uh, yeah, for whatever reason, uh, Woolworths. Kogan and Coles are going to do something with these uh, gift cards. So that's pretty nice of them. Yeah. Uh, what's happening here is 
disadvantaged Dick Smith customers, who are ha- the people who have the gift cards, that may have some relief. So Coles, Kogan and Woolies are offering to provide credit for Dick Smith gift vouchers that were declared worthless earlier this week. So Coles and Woolies have revealed that it would offer to exchange any Dick Smith voucher purchased from any of its supermarkets in return for a Coles or Woolies gift card uh, of equal value. So that's not bad. That's yeah. pretty good. That's, that's good. So if you've got a, I'd be, if you've got a Dick Smith uh, gift card in your pocket, I'd be in there tomorrow, or today, you know, before this stops. Like, I'd be straight in there. Don't don't sit on this one. The supermarket have announced that while the revenue from Dick Smith gift cards had already been passed onto the onto Dick Smith, the gift card exchange offer has been initiated as a gesture of goodwill. Now, Kogan is offering twenty five dollar credit for customers who have a dis- who have a have a card. I'd be more inclined to go and get me the equal one first. Yeah, and. Uh, and yeah, and do that. So you go, you get your Dick Smith card, you trade it in for a Coles card, use that to buy a JB Hi-Fi gift card, and go buy what you really wanted in the first place. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, is it a my question? Is it a is it a gesture of goodwill, or is there something behind it? Um, so Coles, okay. So you got a hundred dollar Dick Smith voucher, you get a hundred dollar Coles voucher. So their profit on everything is. 100%, so say that $100, their cost is going to be $50. Are they are they thinking further down the track that the gift they might get some money back for these gift cards? Are they just going to, you know, keep them in a cupboard? And then when the receiver's finished, they might say, well, we'll give you 75% back on gift cards. Bang. Maybe. Make Who knows? Money. I mean, gift cards, if you ever watch um, Dilbert, you know, gift cards are a bad idea because it's people say, oh, it's just like money, but it's not. It's money that you can only spend in one place and it yeah. has an expiry date on it, which normal money doesn't. So oh, I've been saying yeah. people catch. Yeah, I've been saying for years I hate I hate gift cards. Like mm. I just yeah, they're just they they don't why would you want them? Like I as soon as I get them, if I'm lucky enough to get them, I'll just straight away go and, and, and get rid of them straight away. I don't like yep. them. Because catch them in straight away. Yeah, there's so there's mo- so much money they make billions of dollars out of people whose gift cards are down the back of the couch or in the back of the cupboard or they lost it or something and mm. now they, the company keeps that money because you just can't claim it or it runs out after a year and they're like, oh, yeah, I just found that, oh, it expired last week. Oh, well, I guess I can't buy anything with that $100 and the company goes, yep, $300, thanks. Yeah, I know, crazy stuff. All right, um, Shane, you got any comments on any of those Woolies stories, Dick Smith stories, or you just want to move um, on the no, 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 nothing more than what I, we were talking about last week when we were, when I asked those questions about, you know, at what point can you go to a Dick Smith and say, all right, I know it's a $500 laptop, but given you need all the money you can get, I'll give you 50 bucks for it. <laughs> um, well, a lot of, there was supposed to be a lot of really good sales going on. I'd been into Dick Smith and had a look around the day before that it was announced that they were going belly up and then um, I was out the next day and apparently the next day was the one if I had gone in there, you could buy like um, HDMI cables that were $50 each going for $2 or something oh, like that. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. I remember uh, one of our listeners, PA from, uh, from Canberra, he gets in there on the live stream occasionally, he was telling me that, yeah, and I'm, I don't think we knew that this was what was going on, but he went in to buy some certain products and he rings up and he goes, oh, you should see what's going on at Dick Smith. I've got all these unbelievable, uh, this product for the unbelievable prices and everything. Yeah. You know, and, oh, they must just be having a sale, getting rid of their, their crap. But alas, no. It was That's more, what it was. Yeah, a lot of people also 
problem with Dick Smith was the staff. When they have mm. like, oh, we got a sale, you know, a third price off something or other, if it was just like a tablet or games or Xbox or something, the staff would get in there before opening hours, grab yeah. them all and hide them behind the counter or in the back room. Yeah. And people come in, they're like, oh, I saw advertised that you got these. No, nah, it's sold out. But wow. I was the first person in the shop today. No, nah, it's sold out. It's magic and stuff. Yeah, that's nasty. That's naughty. They um, well, but obviously Dick Smith would have known this was going on. They should have implemented and put the fear of a mystery shopper on them or something. Something like that. Done yeah. something. But even friends of mine in Sydney, I'd be like, I get the email. Oh, Dick Smith got a sale on. I say, Hey guys, he's got it. They're like, I'm not even going to go down there. It's not worth my time going there. Yeah, and they used to have the sale like you'd be able to buy stuff a fair bit cheaper online than what you could in the store. Yeah. Then you. Oh, I had a ridiculous thing. I went in when I was on holidays at um, my parents' place on the mid north coast, New South Wales, and um, they had a Wi-Fi Kindle that was on sale for like hundred dollars off or something like that. And I went in there and I had a look at it and I was umming and ahhing. I thought, oh, I might wait. And then I came. I went home, talked to mum and dad. Mum's like, oh yeah, this one that I've got, you know, falling to bits, not working. So I'd appreciate it if I did get that one. So I went back in the next day. I said, oh, can I get that Kindle at the price that it was on yesterday? They said, no, nope, mm. the price went back to normal. I mm. said, well, not on your website. It hasn't. They're yeah. like, oh, um, no, sorry. It was, it was, a, um, it was the um, Asus Google Nexus tablet yeah. that I was buying for myself. That's Doesn't right. That's what it was. And, and um, I said, but I'll buy it now and give you money now. And they're like, no, we can't do it because the price has gone up. I said, but what about the website? They said, well, you can buy it off the website for that price. I said, fine, I will. I went mm. went back home and a couple of days later I drove back to Sydney and then just ordered it online and it arrived the next day for the cheaper price. And I'm like, don't you want the money in commission? You'd just rather say, no, we can't do that, sir. Yeah, look, I found them to be a bit slack as well. I think I said last week, you know, like ringing them up. And not on numerous occasions. It wasn't just a one-off. It was numerous occasions to see if they've had this or that in there. You know, like yep. a little – because they did have some little adapters and, you know, all the little tricks sometimes. And it's close yep. to the J-Car. So you ring them up. And the phone and answer just hang out. Like, <laughs> like oh, too big. Not even talking. Just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Great. Right. But anyway, they, they, they're gone. So um, probably got their, what they deserved. Um, yeah, Shane, what have, what have you found this week that <clears throat> opened your eyes? Tickle my fancy? Um, I will start with a Bitcoin story. Bitcoin company to finally list on the ASX. After months of delays, Australian Bitcoin company Bitcoin Group will finally make the share market debut in February. The Melbourne-based company is the first cryptocurrency miner in the world to offer shares through... An in initial public offering. Jeez. I always wonder what IPO stood for, um, which opened on December 24. It is offering investors 100 million shares at 20 cents each to raise 20 million dollars in the IPO, which closes on January 25th. Yeah, who'd be doing that? I don't know. Well, if I had money, I'd, I'd consider it. Really? Um, yeah. Mm. Wouldn't you? No. I'd go for shares and something else. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let me finish this and we'll come still, back. Still, to me, seems a very dodgy thing to invest in. You oh, yeah. just put more money in and buy a Bitcoin. 
Mm-hmm. Well, how's it different to buying any other currency from like, you know, Australian dollar? <laughs> Sorry. Let's not back by anything and don't forget the guy in Sydney who ran a thing like MT Gox and then just went, oh, all the Bitcoins, they're gone. Buy and shut it down and took all everybody's Bitcoins with him. Because <laughs> it's not policed, there's no insurance, there's yeah, no backing. There's they can just open and close businesses as they like and... It, it's it's not really it's in the legal grey area. Look, I suppose yeah. like if you if you had money to burn, if you had money, say a certain amount of money that you thought, well, instead of me going to put on a horse or or a casino, if your name's chip, Rupert or James, yeah, let, let's just, let's chuck let's chuck ten mil at it. You know, if you're James, yeah, he's got what a billion, forty billion or whatever he's got. What? Well, not that much, fifteen that billion or whatever. <laughs> What's ten million? Yeah, you could probably get yeah. someone like that, but. I don't know. So, well, how much would you, would you throw some at it, Shane? If you had some money, well, not now, but <laughs> five minutes ago, I might have. <laughs> um, oh. No, just like yeah, you see all these stories with all these tech-based IPOs, where yeah, especially initially, they make a truckload of money, um, and that's the thing. And, yeah. and yet, over time, they kind of peter out, and, and they might you know die a natural death. Mm. And I just thought something like this would be um, would be one of those similar sort of opportunities. But, I mean, like I said, I don't have money anyway, so... So I think I'm what... just dreaming. Yeah, so sorry, do you want to finish your, your little story there? Yeah, um, it only just goes on to sort of then say what Bitcoin is, which is a... Um, yeah, it's just a, obviously, as we know, it's a kind of an international monetary kind of thing, not tied to any particular country. Um, it goes on to say that this particular group have... Uh, what did they say they had? 6,000 machines. Mm. Um... So yeah, the Bitcoin Group has five computer centers in China and is able to create one one to two one to two blocks per day using six thousand machines. Um, so how for those who don't know how Bitcoins are kind of mined, it's this really hard kind of algorithm that the computers have to work out and you need to have a truckload of processing power to do that. That's why I mean this particular group have got six thousand machines. They mm. want to raise 18 million, I think it is, in the yep, IPO. 18 million in the IPO to buy a, another truckload of machines to sort of, you know, so they can kind of mine more of the of the currency. So I guess that's so essentially that's where the profit. That's how the business is supposed to be making money. It's just to be buying machines. That's the expenses buying computers, and the income will be uh, from suckers like Shane. Oh, I mean, just uh, <laughs> just you know, from from uh, getting bitcoins. You have, have to have like um, solar power with uh, backup batteries or something, because a lot of people dropped out of Bitcoin mining because the amount of electricity you use during the day to have a com- even one computer sitting there. Mining through bitcoins was more than the value of the bitcoin it made at the end. Yeah, right. Do you know? Do you know enough about it to to tell me what one to two blocks a day is worth? It depends. They keep chopping it down to smaller values. It used to be you could make like a um, a coin every couple of hours or so, right. and then they make them more and more scarce as time went on because they made it a finite value. So eventually. Um, you could mine over the course of maybe a few days uh, one-tenth of a coin, mm. then one-quarter one of a coin, and then one-hundredth of a coin. And then you could buy things from people based on the value of like one-two-hundredth of a coin might be worth $5. So if you wanted to spend you know, money 
paying yes. somebody in bitcoins and they are five dollars, you could give them one one hundredth of a coin or something like yes. that. So, so what? Because I don't know that that much about it. Uh, so, because I, I, so I went by you explaining it like that. Uh, I just thought so, so. This dude, Hamachi Kamatachi, whatever his name was, supposedly Australian. I don't know. Got raided last week, but anyway, whoever it was, the creator of it. Uh, has I, I just thought he, he created it and then just disappeared, and he literally has. But but there obviously is still people that are are managing it, isn't there? For them to say, well, um, if you're going to mine for this long or whatever, then yep. we're going to give you less and less and less. Well, there's yep. someone managing it. Yeah, there's there's like a um, network of people who are. It's not just the one person who's in charge. He was the creator of it, but then it became a decentralized system so that people can keep on mining it. In fact, if you do want a good computer to mine it, um, don't worry about the CPU. It's the GPUs that have more computing power for mining cards, for mining Bitcoin. So if you put in a couple of um, SLI cards or something like that, then they'll be able to mine better than just a computer with a really fast CPU. Yeah, it's, it's just um, how do you get on the table of, of the board of that? How do people? How do people get to where? Know they're... somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's that's interesting, isn't it? So, so you've you've mined before, Jace? No, no, no. Yeah, you just had a. Oh, you got more of an interest in it than me because I didn't know that that much about it. But uh, yeah, years, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? So anyway, so if you want to, it's on the. It's when was the shares on offer on December twenty fourth? So there you go. If you're interested, go and throw a lazy five mil into it. <laughs> Well, I'd love yeah. you for five, Bill. Throw a lazy five grand, they'd still love it's you. N- not in my notes, but for some reason. But in the story, I remember them saying that at the time they wrote the story that a Bitcoin was worth $614. I think that's US dollars. And because they sort of said that that's what they kind of accounting on, the fact that their operating costs to mine Bitcoins is going to be pretty constant. And it's the price of the actual Bitcoins themselves where they go up and down. Um, yeah, they're gonna. They're, they're working on the law of averages, where more often than not, it'll be high enough to actually make money, hmm. versus a you know tanking. But One why? bitcoin equals six hundred and twenty-two Australian dollars and nine cents. Oh, wow. So yeah, I don't know. That's just. Oh, I watched that movie through the week. Just reminded me. Uh, I watched that Imitation Game. You guys seen that? With um, no. about Alan Turing. Oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be brilliant to yeah, watch. Yeah. I wanted to watch it. Uh, with that um, Bernadette Cumberbatch as Turing. Yep, Sherlock. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. It was, yeah, it, it was treated very harshly. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Just no good Put at him all. in institutions and cut bits off and stuff. Yeah, oh, I didn't go that far. I didn't, well, they didn't go into it th- like that, but they, like for a, they were told not to talk about what they were doing in the war ever again. And so he, you know, things happened in his life, and he got hauled into jail. And uh, yeah, because he was gay, they said that was against the law. So it didn't matter how clever you were. Mm, crazy stuff, crazy. But a good movie, good movie. Go and uh, get it out. That's really good. Uh, did you have any stories, Jace? Or are you just here to? Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Cool. Actually, I got one that um, is related to my job, kind of. All right. Mil- millions of WhatsApp users are being warned to watch out for a fake email that will install a dangerous virus on their phones. Clever cybercriminals have created the malware which is specifically designed to trick WhatsApp users on either iPhones or Android devices. The virus is being circulated via email and is designed to look like it's been sent by a legitimate source 
researchers at Komodo Labs say. Fraudsters hope the user will open the scam email and download the attached virus, which then infiltrates their phone. Mm-hmm. Emails from the criminals may contain sneaky subjects, including new voice message or an audio memo was missed, followed by a play button. Mm-hmm. Others have received messages, including a brief audio recording has been delivered, a short vocal recording was obtained, and fake notification about a video note. Although none of the emails come from a WhatsApp address, they're disguised with an umbrella branding Komodo confirmed. The scam email tells users they've missed an incoming voicemail or an audio message was missed, among others. WhatsAppers should be aware that all voice memos, audio memos, recording notifications will be received in the app only. Every scam email contains a compressed zip file, which unleashes a secret malware onto your phone when downloaded. The virus then duplicates in multiple system folders, adds itself to an auto run in the computer's registry. Cybercriminals are becoming more and more like marketers trying to use creative subject lines to have unsuspecting emails be clipped and open to spread malware, said Fatih Oren, director of Komodo Anti-Spam Labs. As a company, Komodo is working diligently in creating innovative technology solutions that stay ahead of the cybercriminals, protect and secure endpoints, and keep enterprises and IT environments safe. So if you get an email that says it's from WhatsApp, delete it straight away because mm. anything to do with WhatsApp will be in the actual app itself. I get them all the time. And I, I know they're rubbish because I don't have WhatsApp. <laughs> <laughs> so I know they're rubbish. Oh, there's a, there's a, there's a uh, regular Thursday night phone call. <laughs> Every week that goes off. I, I never want to actually for real join Citibank due to the number of email spams that get sent around about Citibank, you know. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so where were we? With all that? Yeah, WhatsApp. That's right. Yeah. Do you guys use it? Um, uh, no. Yeah, I have it installed only because the guys I work with at HP created a group on there. Mostly at the time it was for, um, oh, I'm going to be late coming in today or something like that rather than emailing it in or phoning somebody. But uh, now we just use it every now and then. People will be to do a bit of chatting about what's happening either with the company that um, most of us have left or just anything interesting happening at the time. Yeah. And Shane, you don't use it? I think I no. don't know. No. I think I downloaded it once and I thought, well, okay, you send something, it's, it's there for one second when they open it. What's the point of that? <laughs> no, that's Snapchat, dude. Oh, is that the wrong one? I don't know that either. <laughs> WhatsApp is just like Facebook Messenger or something like that, but it goes via your phone number. Oh, it is too. It's, oh, I do have that. I do have that. But I know no, no one rings me on it, so that's why I, I do have Face WhatsApp. Palm. Face palm. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. All these new fang dangle things coming out. But in my day, we had a can and a piece of string, and we were happy. That's right, did me fine. <laughs> but another good little... A, uh, How long have you been running a technology podcast for, Glenn? Oh, I, all these names, they get confusing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, WhatsApp and this app and that app. I don't know, I can't get a hold of them. But anyway, but it made me think about the... When you're talking about that collaboration tool that I downloaded, um, I was invited to a group... And it, and I thought, oh, this is good. This is a good little, like, a business collaboration tool, which which I, I sent to you guys. I think, Shane, you've seen it. Uh, it's called Slack. Have you seen it, Jace? Yeah, I was using it for a while because um, I was um, discussing things with a group of people who do um, – oh, what was the – remember I was telling talking about the um, Google game that you played where you captured towers and stuff around? Yes. Um, Ingress. Uh, yes, yes, yes. And the 
because there's two opposing teams to be able to discuss where we were going to attack, they created um, private Slack groups and you right. had to join on there and get approval and then you could read about what area you're going to take over with the um, Enlightened team for Ingress. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so that's pretty good. I, like, I'd never heard of it before. I thought it was a new thing. But but then again, there you go. What do I know? And, no, um, um, these it's newfangled all, things that have been out for a few years. <laughs> that's right. It's also one of Leo's sponsors and all that kind of stuff oh, as well. Really? He actually did a big thing on it. A couple of I'm out of touch. I'm, I'm, I'm so, way out of touch. So given that you struggle to remember the the name of that game, then, Jason, I'm, I'm guessing the novelty's worn off? Um, I enjoyed it. I was playing it for a long time, but now I've got the family life going. I barely have even time for podcasts and things. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it gets like that, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, where where is my show notes? Let's pull another one out of the hat. Uh, Apple is finally looking to improve its data munching Wi-Fi assist. Now, I don't know if you've got an iPhone with iOS 9 on it. Uh, yep. There's a function called Wi-Fi assist, which means that when the, when the iPhone is into an area of bad or, or low Wi-Fi signal, it'll just flick over to 4G. And without and not tell you, know, you. Yeah, it doesn't tell you. It keeps it a secret. <laughs> and what happens, obviously, is if you're sitting in a low area, well, you're just there punching away thinking, oh, I'm on Wi-Fi, sweet as, and uh, you're not. So apparently Wi-Fi Assist is still present in the iOS 9.3 Beta 1, which has been released to developers uh, or to the you know the, those dudes. The difference is a tiny counter underneath the toggle to enable the Wi-Fi assist, which tells you how much data has been used by the feature. So, look, that's something. I don't know if that actually uh, does it for me. Well, I've it should just turned, be off by default, opt-in only. Yeah, I've turned it off. I think that it, what it should do is something else. It's, it should maybe, you know, when you're on a hot spot, it turns a little blue, the blue up the top of right. your screen. Yeah. This is on a yeah on on yeah on apples on the on the iPhones and I think it should either blue or another color or something and maybe yeah. even uh, so put a counter. What's it say? I tell you what, I don't have to worry so much now because I changed back to uh, Telstra. Dun dun dun. Oh dear. Yeah. Because why? Better forty dollars a month for seven gigs. Yeah. Booyah! Yeah, I know. Isn't that good? That's I just... got it. I'm going to need it for work too because. Um, we had a brief outage from our MBN last week for one day, and I spent the day on my um, Telstra 3G. No problem, could keep on working. Hmm. But uh, because the new job also involves on-call, right. if I'm going to be away from uh, home, I can take my laptop with me, and uh, any time if I get an emergency alert on my phone, I can just jump straight on the laptop, hook it up to Telstra 3G and get to work. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? And forty bucks. I know that. I oh know that just comes out after I've just I've, I've, they just suckered me in for a hundred and ten dollar a month. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm a sucker. You're looking at one. Yeah, yeah, my girlfriend's on the same sort of thing. Has like a hundred and ten a month, and you get piddly what? But uh, yeah, because I was on um, Optus on a month to month plan for thirty dollars for one and a half gigs, and then this came out. I was mm. like, I'd be I'd be stupid to not take it. Actually, I just I just thought I might actually do the math. And see what it is to break. That's what I did, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> First, yeah. Oh, how'd it work out? Um, pretty much the same, really. Yeah. So it wasn't worthwhile at this stage, but at some stage later on, it might be worthwhile switching over. But 
Oh, I thought it was a joke when I first saw it. I was like, there's no way Telstra is going to have $40 for seven gigs. Come on. Mm. And I went to their page and I read through. I was like, holy cow. So I just signed up online. They sent me a SIM in the mail. I activated it, plugged it in. And the day that I was um, going on the um, Christmas holidays, I just that minute picked up a um, higher Kia Carnival. Yeah. Eight seater van because we got eight uh, five people in the family now, so Whew. our little little my little Honda Jazz just doesn't <laughs> work that well for that. <laughs> when you're going to travel three thousand kilometres, so wow. um, yeah, I had that, and just as I picked it up, it activated the Telstra SIM, so I was like seven gigs. Sweet. But of course, if you go into the Telstra twenty four by seven app, it says you've got six point six gigs. Right, right. So they probably count as like a thousand. Megabytes, oh, it's a gig or something that. like that. They shouldn't be able to do that. That's just it should stupid. be illegal. It should be. It should it's be bait, bait and switch type thing. Yeah. But I think that I think uh, from going into it because my mum went onto that and it was a it was only for new customers I think, but I think for existing customers there was a fifty dollar a month plan which is which yes. was very generous as well. Yeah. And uh, but she did so. I don't, she was an existing customer. She did. You know, she rings up and she goes, ah, this and that, this and that, that and this. And the guy goes, look. Just, uh, just, uh, I'll send you a SIM, cancel the old one, and I'll hook you up to the new one, and I'll boom, bring the number across. When at the, when activations tell you to, uh, uh, that when they ring and say this, you're going to lose everything. Just go, yes, I know, and there's going to be a fee. He goes, I'll wipe it. So yep. if you push them hard, they'll they'll do it. Excellent. Hmm. Um. Yeah. So anyway, the iPhone and the Wi-Fi assist. Yes, you're right. Should be off by default. And I reckon, and uh, same as the um, Windows Ten. Please share all of the yes. patches I've downloaded with everybody else on the internet. Thanks. No. Yeah. Why Don't would you want? Why would so. you want to do that? Yeah. Please use up all my quota with everyone leeching all my data. Thanks. Yeah. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Um, all right, Shane. What else have you discovered? Uh, the next one I will do is Dutch police claim that they can crack emails on special encrypted Blackberries. In a report on Dutch blog, Miss, oh, here we go. On a Dutch blog that I of the name I can't pronounce. Miss, since confirmed, <laughs> yeah, since confirmed by Motherboard, which is a um, well-known kind of site that looks at all this sort of stuff. The Netherlands Forensic Institute has claimed to break a series of encrypted emails held on Blackberries modified by Canadian firm. Phantom Secure. So I'm assuming that these are the same sort of Blackberries that um, up until recently that, you know, the President of the United States kind of uses and, mm. and everyone associated with, with that. I think he now uses a special iPhone, but up until then I think they were all Blackberries. But anyway, according to the leaked document, the NFI managed to pull 325 emails off of a device mm. And decrypt 279 of them. Sweet. Technique only seems to work when authorities have physical access to a device, which obviously, yeah, that would be hard, I would imagine. Yeah, unless they bust someone and they got the BlackBerry in their pocket and they say, we'll hand that over. And uh... Or if you're coming into the country, they can confiscate it. Mm. It's what they do a lot in the US. They just go, yep, we need to confiscate that. You'll get it back in a few months if you're lucky. Right. Wow. And what and is that? That is that a random thing, or they they yeah, sort of got just something? if they feel like it. Yeah, right. You can't beat those customs, dude. Can you? <laughs> They're crazy. That's like that's like when people you hear of people suing people. You know, like oh, old James down the street. He's he's not happy with something, so he's going to go and sue the I don't know the Land Environment Court or something. 
Where do yeah. people get the money for this? I, I don't even want to sue bloody the guy that gave me a bogus building report. It's just going to be worth <laughs> it. You know, like, a lot of time and money and stress, dude. I know. And you just think, well, what, what, am I, what do I want out of him? Two grand or five grand? Oh, it's not worth it. I just, you know, you, you know, you stamp up and down a few times and you get over it. Yeah. <laughs> Fitbit's, Fitbit's getting sued with a class action lawsuit. Yeah, what was that about? I, I did read something about that. Not been, been filed, accurate. Filed by customers right. who say the gadget's measures are wildly and dangerously far off. San Francisco federal court suit claims that the device's heart rate monitors are inaccurate. The heart rate monitoring function of the pure pulse trackers is a material, indeed some cases, vital feature of the product. The lawsuit states, one plaintiff said her Fitbit measured her heart rate at 82 beats a minute, while a personal trainer measured it at 160. Lawyer Jonathan Selbin said he hopes to get refunds for unhappy customers, or at least partial refunds for customers who bought the more expensive watches with the heart monitors. Fitbit fired back and said the civil action suit has no merit and the company plans to vigorously defend the lawsuit. So from your experience, what has the Fitbit go? Um, I tried yeah, it. How have you been since your last heart attack? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't actually been using it. Um, I got, went back to the Pebble before Christmas because I get better alerts and things on there and I can pick right. different faces. The watch face I've got now shows me my last three calendar appointments plus the time and I can read and um, cancel. Um, I can cancel or answer phone calls that come in, and I can also read text messages or other messages that come in. Facebook Messenger mm. can come through the watch, which Fitbit only gets text messages, and that's it. So, um, my iPhone, if if you uh, have one of the later ones, it um, has its own built-in step counters and stuff, and you can synchronize that up to Fitbit anyway. Yeah. So I thought I'll carry the iPhone with me whenever I go out anyway, so it's going to measure the steps. So um, I gave my Fitbit to my girlfriend, but she had a severe allergic reaction to the material in the band. Oh, yes. And the whole arm just went red with this rash, so she can't wear it, but she really loved it. But um, I have to get one of the clip-on ones for her. Yeah, you can't change the bands? No, no, it's all built in. Yeah, But I, I tried it when I was at the gym and I was running on the treadmill and the treadmill has got its own heart monitors and the Fitbit was pretty close to it that I was using. Yeah. Well, I don't think I've got much of it. Like, I've got that Fitbit charge, I think it is, HR, and yep. that's, um, oh, it seems pretty right. Yeah, yeah, i got the Surge and it's, like, just a normal watch and mm. this big face one and it seemed to be fine, so. Mm. Uh, you haven't opened your drink, Jace. Uh, I mean, uh, Shane. No, because it makes a noise when, it, when I open it. But... He's saving it for Ron. <laughs> if if you want me to open it now, well now that we spoke, if you want to open it, let, let everyone get prepared. Shane is going to open his drink. Ooh, does make a noise. Don't do that on the show again, thanks. Uh. <laughs> That's it. You're never coming on the show again. We tricked him. High five, Glenn. He fell for it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Just for those people's benefit that. It, on the audio, it's Pepsi Max. It's nothing alcoholic. I always drink Pepsi Max. This is the third Pepsi Max that I've drunk during the show. If Pepsi Max or Pepsi oh, want to sponsor me or the show, feel free to get in contact with me. Oh, fair dinkum. Go it's for Shane it. It's Shane at AussieTechHeads.com.au. Yeah. It was a, well, that's, that should be shame, not shame. <laughs> <laughs> sh- shame, sh- shame, shame. A shameless um, like. begging <laughs> for some free Pepsi Max. 
<laughs> oh, well, if it works, Shane, there'll be more of that coming. <laughs> All right. Uh, South Australia is going to trial digital driver's licences. Uh, it's already been happening in New South Wales. Your licence, instead of getting the plastic beast, you'll be able to show it on your phone. So I suppose that's good, isn't it? I've taken a picture of mine anyway, just in case I forget about it. Forget it when I'm driving. Um, so the pilot pl- program will see the government issue digital tokens that are stored online and can be accessed from mobile devices, which it hopes will eventually supersede physical licences. Alongside driver's licences, the scheme will eventually incorporate other forms of identity, such as seniors' cards, national park passes, boat licences and trade certificates. They should whack it on your Apple Watch too. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Yes. Uh, the program is will be offered initially on an opt-in basis and plastic cards will still be available to people who, who don't use a smartphone. And uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's all moving that way, isn't it? You know? Yep. I remember the Australia card. There was a bit of a hubbubaloo about that, but uh, that's here anyway. Well, as long forms. as they got your social security number and your text file number, they've got all the new info that the Australia card was going to have anyway. So it doesn't Yeah. That's right, yeah, and you know, and if everything goes to your phone, well, yeah, it's less stuff in your wallet, isn't it? Which is good. Yep. Yeah, excellent. Uh, okay. Uh, what else, Jace? Have you got anything else? Well, in Pembroke, Ontario, parent yeah. Lance Perkins got the shock of a lifetime on December twenty-three when he discovered his seventeen-year-old son had racked up more than eleven thousand dollars on in-app purchases through his Xbox video oh, gaming system. Oh dear. Perkins told CBC News that the credit card his son used was designated for emergencies and to make purchases for the family's convenience store. According to Perkins, his son thought the bill, which totaled $10,911, would be a one-time charge for a purchase he made for a FIFA series soccer game. Perkins said he's just as sick as I am because he never believed he was being charged for every transaction or every time he went into the game. When he reached out to his credit card company, Perkins was told that nothing could be done unless he wanted to charge his son with fraud. Xbox agreed to look into the matter after learning Perkins' son was a minor but hasn't heard back since. Mm. While the FTC has measures in place to protect consumers from in the US from exorbitant billing, the rules in Canada are a bit more lax. Yeah, look, it is easy to buy on the Xbox because i got the Xbox 360 and it's sort of like, yeah, it says you want to go in to buy something, it says, are you sure? You go, yes. And pretty much that's it. It's it's sort of straight away. It's not. I'm used to like a couple of are you shores. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But this one is just a bang. It's, it's done. And and look, like the kids are up there playing uh, probably now. That's why the internet's bad. But then they're probably playing. And look, I mean, they could purchase something. Like they could just start doing this sort of Let's stuff. Let's hope they didn't listen. Don't listen to the show. Yeah, but I mean, but there's nothing. Dad stopped. said we can buy anything anytime. <laughs> awesome. Woo-hoo. But they don't. It's it's they, there's no safeguard, I suppose. Like with the iPhone, put your password in again and all this sort of stuff. Once you've set your account up, it says buy. Okay. Go yeah, on. well, Apple got burned by that with lawsuits as well because once you entered in your password once for that day, for the rest of the day, it would keep on accepting. Mm. Do you want to buy this? Yep, 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 yep. Automatic. But then now they added in after, uh, well, several versions of the OS back, you can have it ask for it again after two minutes or something like that or immediately for every single purchase. Yes, that's right. Our our Xbox works different because I'm sure when Regan does something like that, it actually stops him and then someone like myself as the, the parent has to come in and put in my password Right. To then allow him to continue doing it. Oh, Maybe they that. just let the kids play on their account. Yeah, that's what I do. 
Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, well, there you go. Yeah, it's the security technical guy. Yeah, that's all right. Well, well I, I don't know. I couldn't be bothered setting up other accounts. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah, okay. I might have to look into that. I, I will look into that. The other thing is, is where does it does it? Because with the Xbox, at least with us anyway, you can put your credit card details on your account, or you can leave that blank. So therefore, you have to put them in every time you want to buy something. Right. And I've done it where yeah, you have to put the credit card in every time you want to buy something. Um. So I guess in two ways, I'm kind of covered with that. Yeah. But if you're going to let your kids use your your other one, but mm. just going back to that thing where I mean, if I was given the option to say, or you have to charge your kids with fraud, I probably would. <laughs> well, well, what what would happen, you know? Like if they're a minor, nothing would happen. And if they're, even if they're like 18, probably nothing would happen. They'll have a criminal record and that's just the start of a spiral yeah. into drugs and yeah. money laundering. What do you want to do, son, when you grow up? I want to be the next Steve Jobs in America. You can't. You got a record because I dobbed you in for <laughs> <I got you laughs> fraud, sucker. Hey, speaking of which, you I know I'm going back to birds. last week. I know I'm going back to last week's show, and I know. Well, I don't know whether he's actually doing it facetiously or whether he's actually doing it legitimately. But the um the McAfee dude, how yeah, he's running for president, oh, he yeah. can't, can he? Because he's got a criminal record. You know, anyone can run. Doesn't mean <laughs> look what's happening now. He's a bit loopy, that one. Yeah, oh, very loopy. I don't even know. What side is he on? Who's he? Is he independent, I think, isn't he? There's also I this other so. guy who reckons he's going to go for it called Donald something or other. I don't know. Go, Trumpy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the just, scary thing is he's doing all right. Bernie Sanders. Yeah, it's just it's a great spectacle. <laughs> it's entertainment. It's great. I love it. <laughs> um, uh, Shane, who, who, who's up? Oh, I'll go. Uh, yeah, I'll have a go. Okay, yeah. All right, the next story I have got is... It's got a lot of notes on it, but essentially it's a quick story. Uh, the BBC Research and Development Video Coding Research Team focused on evaluations of UHD content and definitions of analytics... God, how many big words can they put in the one sentence? Um, as part of a standardisation process, has presented... It's paper in basically what's happened is they've they've there was a a um what's the word I'm looking for? There's some research done and out of that research it was suggested that the new H dot two six five codex would actually were fifty percent more efficient than the previous thing and, and the BBC research and development uh, video coding team have basically just verified th- those findings. Mm. So the high efficiency video coding HEVC standard has been developed jointly by the two standardization bodies, ITU and ISO. The main goal of the process was to provide significantly improved video compression compared with its predecessor of H.264, being the most recent. HEVC standards was ratified in 2013 as H.265, so it's been around for two years already, mm. by the ITUT and as MPEG-H Part 2 by ISA, IEC. There's a whole lot of abbreviations and stuff in this story. Uh, the purpose of the subject of the subjective test was to verify using human viewers the compression gains of the new video coding standard 
and that had previously been estimated using objective metrics. Essentially, what I just said earlier. The subjective test used a carefully selected set of coded video sequences at four different uh, picture sizes, UHD, which is 3,840 by 2160, and 4,096 by 2048, so 4K and probably 2K, uh, 1080p, 720p, and 480p at frame rates of 30 hertz, 50 hertz, and 60 hertz. Uh, and then the tests of UHD and 720p Picture sizes were conducted at the BBC R&D labs under controlled viewing environments complying with um, a whole bunch of other standards and recommendations on visual quality assessment. Mm. Well, hopefully it's not going to change too much too soon because I just bought a lot of stuff that's H.264. So, uh, yeah, it's sort of self-encode, so hopefully they can update it. But anyway, but that sounds good. Like, obviously, uh, anything that reduces... You know, size of files and all that with video. It's got to be good. It's got to be good. Yeah. As long as it doesn't affect the quality, yeah. Yeah, well, that's right, yeah. Now, uh, Tim Cook. Oh, it's been... It's, we've had word that uh, pe- how much people get paid at Apple have uh, has come out. So, Tim Cook, 14.6 million Australian. That's, that's a lot of cookies. That's that's a lot of cookies. That's like Is a that paid package. <laughs> probably. He'd be, he probably would be. He's got a, he's got a big... I can't say that, can I? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no other way to say it. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, you get pay and shares and all that sort of stuff. Yep. So it's a big package. Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> Chief Financial Officer Lucia Maestri, she gets paid $35.9 million. So that's like double what Cook gets. Senior Vice President for Retail and Online Stores, Angela Ardent's. $25.8 million. Jeez, it's crazy stuff. Yep. Crazy stuff. Why would they get paid more than old Timmy? Um, Cook is also below on the ladder of pay uh, to the Vice President in Charge of Internet Software and Services, Eddie Q, Senior Vice President in Charge of Hardware Engineering, Dan Rico, and General Counsel and Secretary, Bruce Sewell, in the pay ranking. So... That's what's going on. Tim Cook's upset he's not getting enough coin. That's why he's not pushing products out. He's like, ah, people paid more than me. Let them do it. (laughs) Yeah. So so all three of those, the the last two I just, last three I just mentioned, earn 25 million in the year. All three, roughly $25 million in the year. So the notable omission was Johnny Ive. I wonder what he gets paid. He'd be a squillion. He'd be heaps, wouldn't he? Yep. He would be on a lot of money. But, yeah, like, so, old Tim, where's my calculator? I think I turned my phone off. Let me, I'll just do a calculation here. I want to see how much 14.6 million is a week. Any guesses? Nope. 14. bit more than unemployment. (laughs) 14.6 million. Jeez, that's too many zeros. Divided by 52. Oh, nice! It's uh, <laughs> imagine this in your bank account every week: two hundred eighty thousand seven hundred sixty-nine dollars. Isn't that crazy? What would you do with that every week? <laughs> yeah, whatever you wanted to. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Um, all right, <laughs> uh, Jace. What else? You got anything else? I was just um, having a look through the Wikipedia page on the bitcoins we were talking about before. 
As of 2015, even if all miners in a mining pool used energy-efficient processes, the combined electricity consumption generating um, bitcoins would be 1.46 terawatt hours per year, equivalent to the consumption of 135,000 American homes. Wow. In, in 2013, electricity use was estimated to be 0.36 terawatt hours, equivalent of powering 31,000 homes. Wow. So... So yeah, it says to, to um, sorry, where was it? Um, to be able to generate it, yeah, it says unless you've got specifically purpose-built systems, usually spending the money you spend on electricity is more than what you'll make out of Bitcoin yeah. mining. That's crazy. That's just crazy, isn't it? I don't know. Go and look for it. Yeah, use your computing power for looking for aliens. Something, yeah, something, something a bit better. Do the um, folding at home, and you can find out about the um, help fight disease. That's the one. Well, that cancer one that we were talking about a few weeks ago. Yeah, protein. Yeah, it's it's just amazing how much electricity that just consumes when you start adding stuff together, and like for to what end to get an electronic currency. Like, yeah, it's, and the problem also is. For Bitcoin, your wallet exists only on your current computer that you're on now. So if your computer crashes, you lose any Bitcoins you had there because there's one file on the computer that has your wallet, which has got your coins in it or bits of a coin. You, can't, a, you can't change the wallet around to a different... You can copy it onto another computer and just use it from that computer instead. But if, this, if you've been generating on this computer and it crashes, you lose that, which is something that... Um, Chain uh, probably know because he listened to Leo's shows. He was talking about a guy who um, a year or two ago had um, 800 bitcoins, which was worth several, uh, maybe a million dollars or two million, on a hard drive, which he put in a drawer. He generated them when the bitcoins um, started, mm. and he got to 800 bitcoins. And then he upgraded his computer and moved the hard drive into a drawer, and then. Um, when it came out that Bitcoin's value went through the roof, he went looking for the hard drive and realized that he'd thrown it in the bin. Oh, no. And it, it went to a garbage tip somewhere in the U.S. So uh, so, so the, they sit on the computer until you put them in your wallet? No, the, your wallet is on the computer. It only exists on your computer in your virtual, quote, wallet. Right. It doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. So you can go to somewhere and bank it or convert it into real dollars, but the actual Bitcoin values themselves is on whatever computer you're using to mine them at the time. Right. But So why didn't he move his wallet to the new computer? Or? He just forgot about it when he right. rebuilt his computer. He bought a new hard drive, installed Windows, installed all right. the usual stuff. Yeah. It was like, I'm um, not going to worry about that Bitcoin stuff. I've got other work to, and, and games and stuff to do. And then when it came out that they were worth so much, he's like, oh, I better get that hard drive back and get my wallet. Oh, it's mm, gone. Don't. Can you, um, <laughs> why can't, can you back these little Bitcoin wallet files up to yeah, Dropbox yeah, or somewhere? Yeah, copy it to another computer or something like that. But mm. once you log in, you log in with your credentials and it reactivates that one wallet file. You can't have right. them on half a dozen computers and then have them all together or anything like that. Right. There's a lot yeah. of thoughts going into this, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had to make sure. And so, so what are the people that created it? What are they getting out of it? They just create bitcoins at their leisure and just go yep. and spend them. Yeah, I guess so. Mm, nice. 
Why not? <laughs> exactly. Why not? <laughs> um, you're talking about Apple updates before. So um, Apple's forthcoming operating system update was released to beta testers this week and feedback has been promising. While the tech giant hasn't announced an official release date, iOS 9.3 promises to include a number of big changes. Night shift. Now, you guys have heard of the Flux application that takes the blue out of your screen as the night progresses and then eventually your screen is a bit orange but it's better for your circadian rhythms help you sleep. Yeah, I've heard of that. So if you're watching thought. your TV or yeah. laptop or phone and you've got this bright white light shining in your face, yeah. it makes sleeping a difficult, yes. a bit of a problem. You can download a free app for Windows and Mac called F.LUX. Right. It'll detect, if you tell it where, or it can auto-detect where your longitude and latitude is, then it gets when sunrise, sunset is, and as the sun sets, it slowly tints yeah, your screen like more orange and takes the blue out of it, which yeah, is supposed okay. to disrupt your sleep. Yeah. So um, Apple's new 9.3 is going to have something like that built in called Night Shift. Yes. Using the clock and geolocation of your device, the color of the display will gradually shift to the warmer end of the spectrum after nightfall before returning to normal in the morning. Apple said this feature had been designed to help people get better shut-eye. Many studies have been shown that exposure to bright blue light in the evening can affect your circadian rhythms and make it harder to fall asleep. And uh, health app, as the fitness industry continues to boom, Apple's made it easier to find third-party apps to track your health and wellness. Categories such as weight, workouts, and sleep have a new slider menu that reveals great apps that you can easily add to your health dashboard, Apple wrote. Additionally, the health app syncs perfectly with your Apple Watch to ensure all your health metrics are in one easy-to-find location. Nice. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. CarPlay, need to find a local server, coffee shop or restaurant. The nearby feature in Maps will point you to the right direction with a simple tap of a button. With iOS 9.3, CarPlay will also introduce new and for you features from Apple Music. They'll see songs, artists and albums handpicked by experts plus selections based on your preferences displayed in your car's dashboard. And news, the new operating system will give you the news you want even more personalised. Articles in For You have been better tailored to suit your particular interests and training topics will also be shown in editor's picks. On your iPhone, you can view everything in landscape and when you check for updates, later stories appear much faster so you can catch up on the day's events quickly and easily. Mm. And they've got the um, new... I think something like Force Touch, they call it, on yeah. uh, 6.2, uh, 6S yes. and the 6th. Yes. And um, they're going to bring some new things to that. So if you go to, I think it's the Settings app, if you Force Touch on there, it'll pop up a little menu which will allow you to turn on and off your Wi-Fi airplane mode and things like that. Oh, Plus yeah. a few other apps have been updated with that as well. Yeah, yeah that's all right. I know that uh, nightshade thing, whatever you're talking about, that's going to be good because I know when you go to bed, like, well, you do, you just, last thing you do is, uh, check your Facebook, <laughs> and I, I know you, you, you got to wind down the brightness. I do because it's just yep. it's too bright, and it yeah, is. you wind the brightness down. So that that should come in handy. A couple of good little things there, Jace. Good stuff. Uh, are you out, Shane? Or you got another? No, heaps more. No, go about another three more. Oh, he gets talk all bloody night. Oh, well, well, quickly, <laughs> uh, we'll go through those, and because it's uh, I've got one more to go th- as well. So go through yours. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll do this quick one, this movie-related one first. Australian pirates may be behind record mass movie screeners leak. Hollywood, see, again, we've been, you know, we're, we're the world champions at, at something else. 
Hollywood has broken two very different records this holiday season. Star Wars, which I'm assuming all three of us have seen now. Yay! Yes, that was good. It was brilliant. We went and saw it in gold class for the win. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I saw it in no. VMAX. That was yeah. good. I liked it. I was the best one yet. Yeah. Uh, all right, so yeah, so The Force Awakens has become the first movie to reach $1 billion in gross sales in 12 days. That's a B. Yes, billion, yes. Apparently, um, I think it's still behind Avatar, but I mean, Avatar's been out for, what, 10 years now? and mm. um, So yeah, so it'll catch that. Easy. Yeah. Uh, all right, so the other record, however, is one that the movie industry will not be so proud of. According to Torrent Freak, movie pirates have been have released twelve DVD quality movie previews called screeners for download on the internet. These screeners feature mo- fe- these screeners feature movies like the latest James Bond Spectre, the Tarantino movie The Hateful Eight, which is uh, which is only just come out, I think. Um, a list of others include Saffron Getty, Legend. In the Heart of the Sea, Joey, Steve Jobs, wouldn't mind saying that, um, Spotlight, Creed and Concussion, The Danish Girl and Bridge of Spies. Screeners DVD, screener DVDs are typically sent to a range of movie producers, critics and movie award voters under strict conditions to avoid films being leaked. Security mechanisms are built into the films that can theoretically tie a particular movie back to a specific person sent to the, sent the screener. Has the, the, F- has the definition of screener changed? Because I thought a screener was someone that's filmed the movie in a cinema. That's what I thought too. Yeah, but I no. think the, the definition must have changed. Yeah, well, this is more of a legit the definition anyway. Oh, the F- oh good. <laughs> <laughs> um, the FBI are already investigating how a copy of The Hateful Eight linked to Andrew Kosov the C, the co-CEO of film production finance company Alcon Entertainment wound up in the hands of movie pirates. Hive CM8 or Hive CMate uh, are thought to be a loose collective of individual movie pirates associated with the website crikeymate.com, which makes money from uh, early releases of the movies to subscribers to the site. The site appears to be run... I read this first half of this sentence and I thought, the site appears to be run by Australians, given the name, and I thought, that's a bit of a stretch. And then I read the rest of it where it says, the Australian cultural reference and the location of the Twitter accounts, which are in Melbourne. I thought, okay, well, that's a bit more kind of justification, I suppose. Um, The site is alleged to... Yeah, the site is allegedly... Um, not responsible for the process of producing and producing the power of movies, nor does it host the content. So it's like a little pirate bay thing where it mm. kind of just points you in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, last week, five of the UK's most effective, uh, active rather, most active movie pirates were sentenced to a total of 17 years in prison for their releasing of 2,500 films. Um, in all likelihood, movie piracy is going to be something that the industry will just have to live with um, as long as the uh, incentives to use high-quality previews still exist. It is no coincidence that Disney has chosen not to send preview copies to Star Wars of Star Wars to anyone. Oh, well, here know. we go. I looked it up for you. Cam and Telesync are the ones where they film it in a movie theatre. A screener 
is um, early DVD or Blu-ray disc releases of theatrical version of a film typically sent to movie reviewers, academy members and executives for review purposes. A screener normally has a message overlaid on its picture with wording similar to the film you're watching is a promotional copy. If you purchase this film at a retail store, please contact 1-800-NO-COPIES to report it Mm. or more commonly if released for the awards consideration simply for your consideration. Apart from this, some movie studios release their screeners with a number of scenes of varying duration shown in black and white. Aside from this message, the occasional black and white scene screeners are normally of only slightly lower quality than retail DVD rip due to the smaller investment in DVD mastering for the limited run. Some screener rips with the overlay message get cropped to remove the message and get released mislabeled as DVD rips. Well, there you go. So what we might do is um, I'll get it. <laughs> My light's going to explode. <laughs> so, um, so look, the dodgy switch you're talking about. The dodgy switch, that's right. Now, uh, look, Shane. Was code. Help, help. You've got another couple of stories that we might not get to this week, it's, uh, but they'll be in the show notes. The Australians joined global protests against laws to weaken encryption. And what, where was your other one? Let's have a look at that one. It's almost uh, like you got like a poltergeist going on. Oh, it's crazy, I know. I'm going to have a fit in a minute. Now, hard-coded password raises new backdoor eavesdropping fears. And there's your little um, picture there. So that's from... That's another, yeah, so that's about some hacking stuff. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. Now, look, I just wanted to rush through there because I've got one more to go. And I had to... Uh, normally I would leave it, but I just wanted to get this out because it's topical. It's, uh, uh, you know, this week we, we did The World Lost David Bowie, and everyone knows about that. That was very sad. It was very sad, and, uh, you know, long live his music. His, his last album is out, so you can find that on Spotify first, Black apparently. Star. Yeah, and now it's on iTunes. They're finally caught up. Uh, so well, he's, he's, I was reading about that. They said that the um, song actually went for 12 minutes, but iTunes won't release any songs that are longer than 10 minutes, so they had to cut it for iTunes. You're kidding. Yep, and then re-release it as a 10-minute one, so they made it 10 minutes just about everywhere because of iTunes. All right. I'm not going to comment on that. That's just ridiculous. Well, who cares how long it is? Yeah. Like, Apple the, should just let it go. Well, what's the problem? Like, maybe if it's old Joe Blow it just plays a bloody flute or something that's no good to anybody. Yeah, cut him off at 10 minutes. Anyway, anyway, uh, this, this story is just not about reminiscing <laughs> or, or another Apple hate story. But uh, look, if you go in the show notes, there is a there's a 16 minute interview with David Bowie back in about the year 2000, I think it was, uh, from the B, from the BBC. So check that interview out; it's very good. But did you know? And the reason why I bring it up is I'll go through a couple of these quick, uh, a couple of these little um, tidbits that you might not have known about David Bowie uh, before we go. It was a time before Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and even MySpace. So way back then, if you can remember, I can't. More artists provided little, if no, material uh, to their followers. But Bowie's platform not only offered a wide variety of exclusive content, but also ways, several ways to interact with the singer himself. He was an internet pioneer. He, did you know, he had a thing called BowieNet. Now, this is, wow. yeah, this is way, way back. This is like uh, 90s, probably early to mid-90s. BowieNet operated as a full internet service provider as well. <laughs> In the US and UK, competing with AOL, Clarinet and others. Never heard of Clarinet. For a monthly fee, members got a at davidbowie.com ending email address and right. exclusive access to audio recordings, music videos and chat rooms with the singer participated himself. Uh, he would never announce it in advance, but he would get onto the chat board and talk to us. The handle he always called himself was Sailor, says one guy. 
Bowie also used the service to create what became known as the world's first cyber song. Fans were invited to send in lyrics to help co-write a track, and 80,000 people responded. The singer said he had read through, the, through many himself. There are a lot of potty ones, he said, <laughs> and eventually chose a submission by a 20-year-old American uh, about the idea of having a virtual life on the internet. Ah. Yeah. Fans were invited to watch the track being recorded via a 360-degree interactive webcast, a technology that is only just becoming like to the fore today. So you see Leo walking around the 360. Uh, the song, if you're interested, is called What's Really Happening? And it featured on, the, featured on the Hours album. He was one of the first artists to release an internet-only single. Telling Lies was downloaded by more than 300,000 people before later being sold as a physical single. Uh, Bowie took part in 1999's NetAid charity concert, which was streamed on the web to more than 2 million people for, for a record for its time. Well, 1999 at dial-up speeds. Oh, my goodness. Mm. <laughs> that made a great little uh, streamer. Yep. And uh, about seven or eight years ago, although you could still log into BowieNet, doesn't seem to be many updates. In 2006, Bowie's ISP business was quietly retired, but it was not until 2012 that his Facebook page confirmed what many already knew, a, sing- a simple post that he posted up there. BowieNet, as we have known, is kaput. Ah. <laughs> so there you go. Wish but, I had known all those years ago. Yeah, look, there's, uh, there's a bit more to that story. Uh, just jump in the show notes and link across to it and also watch the video. It's an interview, so it's very good. And it's, just, yeah. it's just stuff, you know, you think, oh, yeah, singer, 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 blah, blah, blah. But, no, he was right into technology and, and he was right into it. So, yeah, it was really it was, it was good, to, good to read. All right, uh, that's it. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Jace, for coming in. No worries, Hope mate. to see you again soon. Uh, yep, try, if you're not back. on holidays, like you are all the time <laughs> these days. Okay, good stuff. And uh, thanks, Shane. We'll see you again probably next week. Yeah, imagine. at this stage, yeah. All right. Can't get rid of him that easy. No, nah, that's I'm right. Afraid. I wish he'd get a job. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd get a job. Get a haircut and get a real job, mate. <laughs> All right. And uh, and everyone else, uh, look, I'm sorry if the audio was a bit dodgy uh, this week, but look, I've got, I had, I've got some new stuff coming, some new hardware. And I was unplugging, plugging in, and look, just before the show, things didn't quite get plugged all back in properly, and so some things went amiss. So hopefully, uh, you put up with it, and uh, we appreciate it. All right, so until next time you hear us, it's uh, bye for now. Ta-da. Bye.